Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Here I am before you. Thank you so much. What a nice intro. You make me sound so accomplished. <laughs> Thank you so much, ladies. You can have a seat. It's such an honor to be asked to come and share with you here tonight. Um, I think uh, Melissa's pretty much told you everything about me. Um, I do just want to say, though, as some of, most of you may know, Christian is away overseas, working hard. He's actually on a 40th birthday trip, surfing. So I actually arrived last night, and she is, you know, obviously it's, it's, there's a big team that puts an event like this together, but she's overseeing this and getting her three kids to all the different activities and making it all happen and still managed to take me out for brunch. So why don't we put our hands together and thank her. (laughs) She's had a lot on her plate and she's made it all happen with such grace and ease. And her kids are absolutely gorgeous. That that little one, oh my goodness, I'm so in love with him. He's so cute. He's so cute. So it is an honor to be uh, here with you tonight. Um, Christian and Melissa are, are amazing. And, I, and Christian, I did just want to mention this actually, because I don't know if I even mentioned this to you. So uh, do you remember the floods in Ipswich back in 2011? Um, my parents, actually, our house was flooded um, up to halfway through the second story. And my sister's in a wheelchair. So she's severely disabled. Uh, so they were actually sleeping uh, in, on a garage floor <laughs> for over, well, two and a half weeks. And my sister is, um, you know, she's, she can't walk or talk. Or, you know, I'm going to tell you a little bit about her in, in a few minutes' time. But, you know, she doesn't sleep through the night and she kind of just yells. That's how she communicates. So they were both really at the end of themselves. And their insurance company, they have the, had the top level of insurance and I won't tell you, I want to tell you who it is so you don't do your insurance through them, but I won't because I'm going to talk about forgiveness. So um, <laughs> I need to practice what I preach. But uh, that particular insurance company um, didn't pay out any of the flood victims because they, even the top level cover, they, they didn't cover, uh, they covered flooding, but not natural disaster flooding. I'm not sure what other kind of flooding there is, but anyway. Uh, but Christian, so my parents uh, were very stuck and very stressed, and Christian was one of the people that went to their house to help rebuild some of the damage. Did you know that? He just went and volunteered his time, and our church had uh, in Sydney and taken up an offering to help them. So anyway, if I didn't love them before, then I really loved them then. So <laughs> they're awesome. So tonight, I'm just going to share a little bit of my story with you. And um, I love that the theme is free. I loved it uh, when I was told that because that is, that's the theme of my life, finding that freedom and living a life that was bound completely and finding that freedom and restoration that can only be found in our Creator, in Jesus Christ. So I love that the theme is free. And I just ask tonight as I share that you just remain open. You know, God might... He might bring up some stuff for you, and that's a good thing because it's better out than in, and it's okay to have a cry, and it's okay just to, you know, get it out. And you know what? He might actually bring up uh, someone else in your world to you because 
sometimes it's not all about us. And if that's you tonight and he just puts someone on your heart, maybe your role is to be a conduit of his restoration and his freedom and his healing to that person. So I just ask that as I share that you would just open your hearts and and, uh, just open your hearts and your ears to hear and whatever God might say to you tonight. So uh, I did bring a, a little photo of my family because they're a little bit cute and um, that's them. <laughs> so th- <laughs> that is Hosanna Emma Grace, our do- daughter, pardon me, and our son, Jeremiah Maxwell Joshua. They are 14 months apart, those two. Uh, yeah, wow. <laughs> Uh, and if you're wondering why their names, they have so many names, really, um, that's my husband, Terence Washington Earl Mullings. <laughs> so that is what we were dealing with in the names department. And yes, there is another one on the way, and it is a girl. And yes, she has three names as well. And can you believe this is only 16 weeks? Look at that perfect little tiny 28-week ball. And look at this giant thing that is busting out of my top. And I'm not, I'm not even 17 weeks yet. Pray for me because I have to come out somewhere, you know? Oh, my Lord. Okay. So I'm going to share with you uh, tonight a little bit of my story. Um, I, you know, if, we were gonna, if, was, if I was going to share the whole thing with you, we would be here for a very long time and you would need a stiff glass to get through it, trust me. So I'm just going to share a little bit of my story with you tonight and just a couple of, um, I guess, life lessons that God has taught me along the way that are life lessons that continue to be life lessons and things that might help you in your journey to, to find complete freedom in Him. So the express version of my story, I was actually, um, I live in Sydney now, but I was actually born in Ipswich. Yeah, hello. <laughs> Uh, and my family is all still there, actually. So um, my mum and dad, they're from Newcastle, and they they moved to Grafton, and they, then they moved to Ipswich to plant a church, actually, much like the McCuddens have done up here, to pioneer a church. And uh, before they got to Ipswich, they did have uh, my oldest sister, their firstborn, Andrea. She was born in Grafton. Uh, and at that time, in the 70s, there was no uh, ultrasound equipment so in that particular hospital, so uh, mum was actually placenta priva. So if you've, you know anything about childbirth, you know she would need to have a, a scheduled C-section, which today would be no drama. They'd, you know, find it on the first ultrasound and book her in. But <laughs> back then, uh, they didn't pick that up. And uh, when she went into labour, there was actually no doctor on. And the midwife uh, didn't realise the situation, so she laboured for 24 hours until a doctor came on duty, and and when the doctor came on duty, he realized what the situation was, and uh, they did an emergency C-section, but it was too late, and Andrea, my older sister, was born severely brain damaged because of the trauma of the labor and not being able to go anywhere (laughs) in there. So Andrea uh, was severely brain damaged, and she uh, ended up passing away at 18 months old, just before she turned two. And then mum and dad moved to Queensland, to Ipswich, and and pioneered the church. And they had my older brother, Cameron. And then they had me, and we are okay. Sometimes it's questionable, but, you know, we'll roll with it. And then just when they thought it was all good with having healthy babies, they had my youngest sister. Uh, Her name is Melanie. And she was also born severely brain damaged, but a different kind of brain damage. And they're not sure why. They think maybe the umbilical cord got caught around her neck in the womb, but they don't really know. 
uh, and I actually bought a photo of her. She's still alive today, and this was at Christmas time, actually, just Christmas just gone. She's 32 years old, and she can't uh, walk, talk, or eat. Um, her food is pureed and fed to her, and she's in nappies, and my dad and my stepmom look after her full time, and I say stepmom because my mom, at 37 years old when I was four, uh, we discovered she had lower intestinal cancer. Um, and from the day that we found out what it was to the day that she died, it was 12 weeks. So there wasn't time for us to prepare as a family or us kids to prepare or the church to prepare. And at the time, she was, um, I guess, a, a very well-known woman <laughs> in Christendom. She was quite a pioneer for women, preaching the word of God. And uh, she was a recording artist, a worship artist. She released six worship albums and would travel around a lot preaching at different women's events. And she was quite a, a catalyst, I guess, in Australia when it came to uh, integrating dance and drama into the church. She was very creative and loved that. So she was very well known. So it was very hard um, for us to process that and for the church to process that. And she was so adamant that she would be healed that she insisted that we not cancel a missions trip that she was scheduled to go on a week after her death into China because that's the kind of woman that she was. She's like, let's take Jesus to China where it is illegal to do so. So, <laughs> but that's, she was passionate. She had no fear. <laughs> and um, yeah, and she passed away. So the story continues, and um, as a young girl, I was continuously abused by the son of a woman who used to babysit me. Um, fast forward some more years, and, and, you know, there wasn't much communication back then. There is today. Society, I think, in general has progressed a lot in understanding the importance of kids talking about things, right? But you don't know what you don't know, and um, I never was asked any questions and you know what even if I was I was so shy I probably wouldn't have said anything anyway I was a very shy timid kid so as a child I I often would um I believed in God I was still in the church but I would often ask God if I could die if he could take me to heaven because all I, I wanted to do was be with my mom again and that was the last time that I really felt safe and secure those were the the memories so fast forward a few more years, and at 14 years old, I, um, I was pretty strategic because I was the pastor's kid, right, but I wanted out of the church, and uh, I got a job. In Queensland, you can get a job at 14 and nine months. It's very specific here. <laughs> I'm not sure why, but anyway, I got that job at 14 and nine months and asked to work every Sunday. So <laughs> much to my dad's delight. Uh, so I'm being sarcastic. He was heartbroken. Um, so I left church, and you know what? I had unprocessed pain on unprocessed pain. And it doesn't make for, for a very happy or emotionally stable girl. Let's just, let's just be honest. So by the age of 16, um, I had met a boy in high school, and I'd fallen in love. And I was completely besotted and completely in love with him. And, um, you know, he kind of became a bit of a band-aid for all of my emotional wounds and my emotional dysfunctions. <laughs> but who knows Jesus Christ is the only true healer, right? Anything else is just that, a band-aid that will fall off 
all get ripped off. And that Band-Aid got ripped off when I was 18 years old. I met another uh, beautiful young 18-year-old girl who was pregnant with my boyfriend's baby. That was a little unexpected. <laughs> and uh, you know what? I've never wanted to do reality TV, guys, but I was in my own episode of Jerry Springer. <laughs> and I can laugh about it now, but honestly, at the time, I was absolutely devastated. Absolutely devastated. And um, anyway, I, I actually stayed in that relationship. Hello. Sometimes you wish you could go back and say a few choice words to your younger self, right? But I stayed in that relationship and um, for four years, actually, four years. And then at 20 years old, I, I realized that, you know, this nothing was really going to shift here and I needed a way out and Living in a smaller town, I really thought the only way to kind of escape that relationship was to move. So I had studied music straight out of school, and I started uh, looking for ways to study out of actually the state, <laughs> other parts of the country. And um, I applied for a scholarship to study in Sydney, to study music, and I got the scholarship, and I announced I was moving to Sydney. I was a little bit erratic, so my, my family probably wasn't that surprised. Uh, I moved to Sydney two weeks later. But, moved, but you know what? I had no one around me, no one to kind of help me or give me any advice. And um, in Sydney, you know, I remember just uh, driving, to, like literally loading up my bedroom <laughs> into my car, driving to Sydney, getting a newspaper and looking at share accommodation and getting a Refidex. You guys know what that is. And when I say that in New South Wales, no one knows what I'm talking about. Um, and just driving to these places and seeing if I could live there. I mean, they could be ex-murderers, who knows? But anyway, I just rocked up and, and just, made it just made it work. And, um, but in Sydney, I was, you know, the spiral down continued because I was so emotionally wounded. And I would just take anything, to be perfectly honest with you, any weekend to try and numb my pain. And in Sydney, there is a whole heap more that you can have access to to be able to do that. And I remember some nights thinking, you know what, if I actually take this tonight, I might die. But I didn't even mind because then I thought, well, then at least I'll get to see my mum again. So that's where I was at uh, in 2004. Now, I had been, um, I'd studied that music course and I'd graduated and I had a really great opportunity to uh, go overseas with a music opportunity. Um, so I was just working a couple of casual jobs until that came about and um, one of them was at a radio station, not the radio station I work at now, a different one. <laughs> um, and it was like just handing out the free stuff, right? So we'd drive around in the car and there was a new guy on this day, and I, I am a bit of an introvert. I know it's hard to, you know, think that that could be the case working in media and in front of the camera, but I do like my quiet time. And this guy, I mean, the thought of having to spend the whole day in a car and have to talk to someone was a bit painful for me, to be honest with you. Um, but this, <laughs> this guy was just like all smiles and happy and just talked a lot and like jazz hands and I'm like oh my goodness like I can't I can't deal with this guy I cannot deal with this guy for a full day anyway so, so we were chatting and uh, he just randomly turned the radio off and put a worship album on 
And of course, I knew what worship was because my mom was a rec- worship recording artist. I'd grown up in the church. I knew what it was, but it just brought up so much emotion in me and, and unprocessed grief and pain and anger and so many things. And I took that worship CD out and told him in very colorful language where I was going to put that if he continued to play it. So <laughs> I think I taught him a few new words that day. But anyway, so he realized very quickly um, that something was going on here and started asking some questions and found out that I was a pastor's kid. And that was a surprise. That was the last thing he expected. <laughs> And I think he um, made it his mission to get me back into relationship with God and, and back into um, church. And he would invite me to church every single Sunday. He would call and text and offer to pick me up every single Sunday. And this went on for three months. And most of the time I'd say no. <laughs> Sometimes I'd say I'll meet you there with no intention to go. Just so you know, I would never do that now. <laughs> But this went on for three months, and I remember it had been three months of this, and I remember waking up, church was at midday, the church, that church at the time, and I remember waking up after a huge night and looking at my phone, I remember it was 11 a.m., and seeing that familiar text, and I don't know what it was this day, I just thought, oh, you know what, I'm just going to go check this out, because this guy is never going to stop. So I rocked up to church wearing something probably completely inappropriate to wear in public, but anyway, <laughs> wore it to church. And I, you know what, I, it was familiar, but I was so cynical and I was so angry, but yet I was curious. And I went, and then I went back again the next week. I went back, I think it was three weeks, and then I um, heard that they had a, that was at C3 City, and then I heard they had an ex-mafia boss speaking at C3 Oxford Falls which is the church that um, Kristen and Melissa are from. And I thought, well, that sounds like something I could actually relate to. So <laughs> I went to hear this ex-mafia boss. But you know what? I actually had to hear his story to understand that God was capable of restoring anything. I needed to hear his story of restoration to understand and even comprehend that God could restore the mess that I'd made of my life. And I gave my life to Christ that night. I walked down the front and and so began a whole new journey. And you know what? I wish I could tell you that it was just like that and everything was fabulous, but it wasn't. It was a process. But I was all in for the process. You know, the Bible talks about the renewing of your mind. It's a process. But I tell you what, if we stay for the process, it's so worth it. And I can honestly say I stand before you today completely healed and restored and free. And it's only, it's only because of his restoring power. And if anything, I believe that God's given me double for my trouble, (laughs) completely double for my trouble. And that guy who harassed me into coming to church, I eventually married him four years later. That is my husband. He had to wait a few years though, till I had to sort out some issues. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) that is Terrence. So I just wanted to tell you a little bit of my story to kind of paint a picture for you of what God can do, what God can do when we come before him with an open heart. He can do anything. (laughs) He can restore anything. And from my experience, I think the main thing that people need outside the walls of of church and even inside the walls, because you know what, we live in a fallen world and stuff happens and humans are human, is hope, hope. So I just wanted to talk about that for just a second. 
Hebrews 6.19 says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has already entered on our behalf. You know, biblical hope is not a mere desire for something good to happen. It's a confident expectation. Biblical hope actually means expect great things from God. It's a confident expectation. And one person who knew how to expect great things from God was Abraham, and he's known as the father of faith, and he is the father of faith, but I think he's also the father of hope. And I just want to read you this passage. It's actually written about him. Paul wrote it, Romans 4.18. I'm just going to read it to you. It says, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. And I kind of I like that scripture because... I believe that God is saying to us to hope against all hope. Like that scripture says, hope against all hope. So whatever you're dreaming of, double it. Make it so wild and audacious so that when it comes to pass, it can only be accredited to God, right? His word says, no, I have seen. So have you seen that happening for someone else? Well, think bigger. No ear has heard. Have you heard about that happening for someone else's life or for someone else's family or in someone else's business? Well, think bigger. Neither has it entered into the hearts of man the things that he has for his people. This is his promise to us. His promise to us. And I love this scripture because Paul is kind of giving a bit of a sizzle reel, right? I call it. So in TV, we have sizzle reels. They're actual real things. I even have a sizzle reel. <laughs> and what it is, it's your two-minute highlight reel. It's the best two minutes of all the TV work that you've done, like hours and hours of work, and it's like the best two minutes. So they're legitimate things. But this scripture, it's a bit of a sizzle reel because when we actually look at Abraham's life, it's a lot like ours. There's been lots of ups and downs. It was like a seesaw, really. I mean, he, he lied about his, his wife being his sister and caused a, a whole heap of drama. You know, he, Hagar, hello, <laughs> took matters into his own hands and, and slept with Hagar. And, and if you haven't read the whole story, make sure you read it when you go home because it's, it's interesting, but it's actually relatable because this is what happens in our life. There's lots of ups and downs. But if he walked in here today, I don't know if he would actually agree with the verse 20 that says, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God. Because when we look at his story, there were lots of ups and downs. And I kind of love that because it's relatable, right? Sometimes when God gives us a promise or he gives us a word or a dream in our heart and you know, weeks pass and months pass and years pass, <laughs> sometimes it's hard to hold on to hope. And that's why I love that scripture because God totally gets that. <laughs> and he's saying just to hope against all hope. And I think the key in this whole story and Abraham's story of, of trying to hold on to hope when the promise is taking so long is in Genesis 15.5. It says, 
Then he brought him outside and said, and it's God talking to Abraham, look now towards heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And Abraham believed the Lord. And I get two things out of that. Firstly, sometimes God needs to take us outside, just like he did Abraham. He needs to take us away from all the distraction and the stress and the busyness and just remind us of the promises that he has for us. And you have allowed him to take you outside aside by coming here tonight, so well done. <laughs> and the second thing is Abraham's response. It says, Abraham believed the Lord. So when God does take you aside and remind you of the promises that he has for you, he requires a response from us, and that's that we would just believe him. We would just believe him. You know, if God can use Rahab, the prostitute in the lineage of Jesus to save a nation, I mean, she wasn't just known as a prostitute, she's known as the prostitute. That means she was good at what she did, right? If he can use her in the lineage of Jesus to save a nation, if he can use Moses, the guy who had a stutter, David, and call him a man after his own heart, David had a little bit of a lust problem. Come on, let's read the whole story here. If God can use me, like God can use anyone, there is nothing that is too broken that he can't com completely bring healing and restoration and freedom to that thing and use it for his glory. Use it for his glory. He can restore anything. And I just want to share with you three keys, three, I guess, life lessons <laughs> that God has um, taught me through my journey and um, three keys that I think will help all of us walk in complete restoration and walk in complete freedom. And if you're taking notes tonight, I encourage you to write some of these down. You can pull out your phone. I'm not going to think you're on Facebook. Don't worry. I probably will, but it's okay. I don't mind. But just... <laughs> But write these down. And the first one is press into the healer. Press into the healer. Jesus wants to heal us. He wants to heal us more than we want to be healed, right? He wants to, be, he wants to heal us. And it's actually not about pursuing the healing. It's about pursuing the healer. Because if we're standing next to him, we hear his voice. Press into the healer. Proverbs 3, 6 says, In everything you do, put God first. And he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. So what does this actually look like, pressing into the healer? Well, if you're coming to church every second week, come every week. Because you're missing half the story. <laughs> Press into the healer. Turn the TV off and put worship music on. Listen to a podcast by a favorite preacher right here on your, on your way to work every morning. Press in. You know, if there is a, a, an altar call, if there's an an option for you to respond, like just respond, just respond. It's okay to let it out and it's okay to, to ugly cry and let's not go everywhere. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay to come out when there's an altar call, you know what? I think people, people are going to talk either way, so you may as well give them something to talk about, right? Just respond. Surrender. The power of God will fall on whatever is placed on the altar, so place yourself on the altar. Place yourself on the altar. You know, there was um, a time a couple of years ago where my sister Melanie, I mean, I just, that photo was Christmas, last Christmas. But um, I remember as a young girl uh, praying for her healing. We shared a bedroom at home and praying for her healing like over and over and over again. And then when I 
met Jesus again at 22 years old. I remember then it almost, it was just kind of instant, instant, like I just was believing for her healing again. It was revived, you know, that faith to see her healed. And it was just a couple of years ago, I remember being in a prayer meeting and I was just, I started praying for her healing and then I was like, oh God, like just tell me, just tell me if she's going to be healed. You know what? And I remember just as that scripture asked for a response, I remember just responding in worship and lifting my hands to heaven. And I remember saying to God, look, just tell me if she's going to be healed. And if her healing is on the other side of this earth, then I'm okay with that, God. I'm not going to get angry and go crazy again. <laughs> like, I'm okay with that. But just tell me. I just want to know. I just want to know. And I had my, my hands lifted to heaven. And, and I started to see a picture so vividly and so clearly in front of me. And we were at home in our, our place in Ipswich where she still lives. And she walks up the stairs in front of me. And she can't walk or talk. And I'm just kind of staring at her. <laughs> And God said to me so clearly, do you see it? And I said, yes, I see it. And he said, well, that's what I see, so keep believing. And I decided that day, you know what, I'm going to keep believing for this healing. I would rather die believing than never to have believed. But I would never have seen that if I hadn't responded if I hadn't responded and chosen to just push in and lift my hands in worship and cry out to God, it requires a response. Press into the healer. Press into the healer. Because I tell you what, he is not short of dreams and visions and words. <laughs> He's speaking all the time. But we need to press into him. And the second key to help us walk in, in complete restoration, healing and freedom Let's not mistake people's weakness for wickedness. And this was, uh, I guess, a life lesson that God had to really teach me. Let's not mistake people's weakness for wickedness. And let me just put it to you like this. If your husband has a gambling problem and he's gambled away all your savings, perhaps it's not that he hates you. He has a weakness and you have unfortunately been the carnage of that weakness. But I tell you what, if you can choose to pray... <laughs> for that weakness, you're praying from a holy place. The devil has nowhere to go. He has to go back to hell because <laughs> you are choosing, you're choosing just to pray for that weakness and not harden your heart and say, well, whatever, you know, write them off. Let's not mistake people's weakness for wickedness. He restores everything he touches. He can't help but heal. He can't help but heal. And uh, another thing I wanted to mention is sometimes I think of it like this, and this is what the, the, I guess, the journey of my life was. Sometimes stuff happens, right, in our lives, stuff happens, and, and it can cause a little bit of a dislocation, right? So for years, I walked around with what would be a dislocated shoulder, <laughs> a dislocated shoulder, and I thought, well, it's fine, you know, it's just the way it is. And I just kind of got used to it because sometimes we can get comfortable, right, with our dysfunction. Anybody? No, just me. Okay, great. So <laughs> sometimes we can get comfortable with our dysfunction, and that's okay. But it's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. 
And the thing is, when you're walking around with a dislocation of anything, right, the only way to get it healed is to go to the doctor and allow him to touch that thing and put it back into place. Has anyone ever dislocated anything before? Did you see the lady that dislocated her shoulder in the shop? Put Okay, now you're, now you're picturing it now, aren't you? Yeah. So the doctor had to push that thing back into place. And just for a minute, as the doctor pushes that thing back into place, it's a little bit uncomfortable. Just for, just for a second, literally just a second, it's a little bit uncomfortable. But once that thing is back in place, Within six weeks, complete healing, complete restoration. And that's what it's like bringing our stuff to God. You know, to actually bring it to Him and allow Him to touch that thing. It might feel a little bit uncomfortable. But I tell you what, the pain that that second with Him will take, it's nothing compared to the pain of staying the same for the rest of our lives. He is the ultimate healer. He is the ultimate healer. Um, the third key to help us walk in healing and restoration. Are you writing these down? <laughs> what has been your sorrow will be your greatest strength. What has been your sorrow will be your greatest strength. And this has been true for my life. This has been true for my dad's life. I mean, he's been through so much. <laughs> and yet he is an incredibly strong man, but it's a gentle strength. He's a complete phlegmatic personality. <laughs> but I tell you what, it's a, it's a beautiful, gentle strength that he carries. What has been your sorrow will be your greatest strength. Let the weak say, I am strong. And there are so many great examples of this. And, and one of them is in Genesis 35. And I'm just going to give you a summary. So I'd love if you could go home and read this story. But Rachel is in labor. And it's a hard labor. It's not like in the car on the way to the hospital where you, it was, I'm sure it was. I, I want to know if you did the grunt thing. Like, anyway, we'll talk about that afterwards. So, <laughs> so Rachel is in labor and uh, it's a hard labor. And in those days, the midwife, um, the husband was not there for the birth. Not like my husband who was all in there with his iPhone filming it. But anyway, and then lost his phone on an airplane. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> now you know why I need lots of prayer. So <laughs> she was there with the, with the midwife. Her husband was not there. And she knew that something was wrong and she knew that she was going to die. And she says to the midwife, she brings that baby out and she says to the midwife, uh, name him Benoni. And Benoni actually means son of my sorrow. Benoni in Hebrew means son of my sorrow. Because she wanted to name that baby according to what she was feeling at the time, which is actually just human nature, right? Has anyone ever done that? Not literally named your baby, but named a situation <laughs> according to what you're feeling right now at the time. It, it is human nature. So she said to the midwife, name him Benoni. And she actually passes away. And the midwife takes the baby to Jacob. And uh, the midwife says, Rachel has asked that you name him Benoni. Benoni means son of my sorrow. But the second meaning for Benoni, when you look it up, uh, is strength. Son of my sorrow and strength. Two things that we would sometimes consider to be polar opposite, but they're actually not. Because great strength is always born from great sorrow. 
great strength is always born from great sorrow. And I think that's so incredibly significant in this story. Great strength is always born from great sorrow. It doesn't mean you can go and name your child Benoni, by the way, (laughs) just for the record. The midwife brings the baby to Jacob and Jacob says, no, I'm not going to name this baby Benoni. I'm going to name him Benjamin. Benjamin means son of my right hand. And in those days, especially in that culture, that was uh, very significant because the father would give the inheritance to the firstborn. And you'll read it in many stories in the Old Testament. He'd place his right hand on the head of the firstborn. So Benjamin has a really significant meaning. So Jacob says, no, his name will be Benjamin. And in those days, he could actually do this. The father could do this. He could override Rachel because in those days, the father had naming rights. And in these days, in 2016, our father in heaven, he has naming rights. He has the final naming rights over every situation, (laughs) over every circumstance. And sometimes we might want to call a situation a certain thing according to what we're feeling at the time. We might want to call that thing Benoni. (laughs) But he has the final naming rights and he says, no, 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 no. I call it Benjamin, son of my right hand, the one that will get the inheritance, the one that will carry on the name the one that I'm going to give everything I worked my life for. I'm just going to give it to him. And our Father in heaven does that for us today. So I don't know what situations you might be facing. But I tell you what, if you've called yourself broken, as I did for so many years, he calls you 100% restored, 100% whole. If you call yourself bound, he calls you free. You call yourself desolate, he calls you, no, no, I'm right here with you. You call yourself broke, he calls you abundantly blessed. Because our Father in heaven, our Father in heaven, he has the final naming rights. He has the final naming rights. And I just wanted to uh, take a few minutes and give you, uh, I guess, a moment to respond in your heart. Because sometimes he's just waiting for a response from us. Sometimes, you know, he might want to rename something and he's just waiting for us to respond, to give him access, right? To give him access. So I was just wondering if the musician could come just as we close. And I just want to give you a, a second to just respond to him tonight. You know, might, there might be something that he's brought up for you. And I just want you to actually give him access to rename that thing and even say it out loud, to rename that thing, that thing that you might have called broken. Our Father in heaven who has the final naming rights calls it healed, calls it restored, calls it free. Our creator in heaven. But the very first step to being able to do that, the very first step, is actually getting to know your creator. And I don't know if there's people here tonight who you might all know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But I just want to give an opportunity just in case anyone here doesn't because I completely know what that's like. (laughs) 
And I promise you there's so much more. There is so much more. God can turn around things so incredibly quickly. He can turn around any situation. And so I wanted to give you an opportunity tonight as well, just to meet him, to invite him into your heart. So I was just wondering if we could just take a minute and just to respect the privacy of those around us, if, if you wouldn't mind just, just closing your eyes and, and bowing your head. And I just want to give you that opportunity, if that's you here tonight, and you've never kind of made that decision to follow Jesus Christ, to invite Him into your life, to commit your life to Him, to give Him access, <laughs> to meet your healer, to meet your maker. I just wanted to give you an opportunity tonight to respond to that. And I'm not going to get you to come out the front or anything like that. Don't worry. I'm not going to embarrass you. So if that's you here tonight, I'm just going to count to three and then I just ask you to give me a little wave and, every, and no one else is going to see it except me. One, two, three. Thank you. I see your hand. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you so much. You can put it down now. Thank you so much. Beautiful. Beautiful. I would just, if we could all just pray this prayer together just to support those that have raised their hand. There's a few people here tonight who have. If you can just repeat after me, everyone together. Jesus, I thank you for dying for me forgiving it all so I can live in peace. God, I accept you into my life. From this day forward, I'll follow you. God, I give you access. <laughs> Amen. And I also just want to pray for those of you here tonight, and God might have just spoken to your heart in this message. He might have perhaps raise something for you. So it might be something from the past and he's kind of wanting to put that little dislocation back into place. <laughs> and I really want to pray with you tonight because I've been there. I promise you, the pain of change is nothing compared to the pain of staying the same. Just give him access. He knows all the details. He's seen it all. He was there the whole time. He's cried alongside you. And he just wants access to bring healing to that thing tonight. So if that's you, I just want to pray for you. And if you want, you can give me a wave. If you don't want to, that's fine. But I would just really love to pray for you tonight. Is that cool? Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Lord, I just thank you for every woman here tonight. Lord, I thank you that your heart is for them, God. I thank you that you know every single detail, God, and you care about the details. Lord, and we thank you for your word that says, Luke 137, nothing is impossible with you. God, we stand on that word tonight. Lord, I just pray that you would bring complete healing and complete restoration to every single situation, Father God. Every single situation, Lord. God, I pray that you would just pour out your healing, Father God. God, I pray you would pour out your freedom, Jesus. 
Lord, I pray that you would pour it out from heaven like a fresh oil, God, that it would cover every woman from the tip of her head to the tips of her toes, God. Lord, that even as she sleeps tonight, God, that she would hear the whispers of heaven, Father God. Lord, that you would spoil her with your voice. Spoil her with your presence, God, that she would know that you're right there, Jesus. Lord, that she would know that nothing is impossible with you. God, I pray for complete healing and complete restoration, invading every single person's world here tonight. Thank you, God, that you are the ultimate healer, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Visit us online at c3noosa.org.